Hello and welcome to the Loud City Podcast. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can find me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. It was a interesting week for Oklahoma City Thunder. That's why I've chosen to start the podcast with this song. It's very up and down, just like the Thunder. Let's go all the way back to last Saturday night when the Thunder took on the Warriors and got blown out. Now, the game was not as much of a blowout as the score indicated. There were a few bright spots, mostly the fact that the that the Thunder stayed with the Warriors for about two and a half quarters while Paul George scored one point. He scored one point in a whole half, and Russell Westbrook was terrible. Both of them were obviously terrible. Yet the Thunder stayed close. They stayed competitive for two and a half quarters. And then the Warriors did that Warriors thing where they drained threes and all of a sudden you blink and they're up 28. Now, it's hard for me to get too upset about this game because if I told you in August that the Thunder would at worst split with the Warriors, they'd go 2-2 two and two against the Warriors, you would have signed on the dotted line instantly. So this loss is not something that I, I can get too upset about. And a, and a part of it has to do with the fact that Russell Westbrook and Paul George had their worst games of the season and worst games of their career, possibly, you know, respectively. Paul George absolutely had the worst game of his career. Russell Westbrook, he, although he put up a few, a few numbers, a few stats, that's not how you can judge Russell Westbrook in 2018. His stat line of just points, rebounds, assists is never going to look awful, but he's never effective in games like that in games like Saturday, and in games like since the All-Star break. He's, he hasn't been effective since coming back from the All-Star break. And really, before the injury, he wasn't that effective besides in that one Warriors game when they won. But the point being for this game, you, I don't think you can get too mad about it because we all expected the Thunder to at best win one game this season in the regular season against the Warriors, much less two, much less the opportunity in April to win the season series against this Warriors team at home. And again, the bright spot has to be the fact that they stayed close without their two best players. They stayed close with the Warriors while having to rely on Carmelo Anthony in 2018 and Raymond Felton. Jeremy Grant, of course, was good. He's been great this whole this whole year, really, since the calendar turned to to 2018, he's been phenomenal. And even before that, he was a great plug-and-play player off the bench to give the Thunder a lift, which is all that they really need him to be. But he's been more than that in 2018. But outside of that game since the All-Star break, they've played the Kings, the Mavericks, and the Magic. Three games that for this team, this team that has an MVP, this team that has a Paul George and has a Hall of Famer in Carmelo Anthony, This team should not struggle with a team that openly said they are tanking in the Dallas Mavericks. With a team like the Magic, who have one of the worst rosters in the NBA, same with the Kings, who are relying on a 50-year-old Vince Carter and a 50-year-old Zach Randolph. But in those three games, they struggled, including going to overtime with the Mavericks, including being a, a prayer shot away 
from going to overtime with the Kings from Russell Westbrook at the top of the key, which was a beautiful play design by Billy Donovan. He didn't get enough credit for that. And so the reason that these games are so frustrating is because it, it, is, the, it is the same formula that the Thunder used in November when they were playing terrible basketball. They start out hot. You think everything is finally clicking. You think everything's on the up and up, including taking a 20-point lead, a 20, uh, however many point lead against the Kings. It was, it was more than 20 against the Kings to start the game out. In Sacramento, the first game back from the All-Star break, when Carmelo Anthony said, it's showtime, everyone believed, okay, it really is showtime. They're going to concentrate. They're going to come out the gate and put their foot on the throat of an opponent who's, who is worse than them, who they are better than. And then they fall apart in the second quarter, in the third quarter. And then they try to scramble and make up for it in the fourth quarter. And sometimes it's too little too late and they lose games to the Mavericks. They lose games to the Suns. They lose games to the Kings. However, in these three games, it was not too little too late. They pulled out a win by the skin of their teeth. And a win is a win, yes, but not against three teams like that. Against three teams like that, you have to be strong-minded enough. You have to have a sense of urgency, and you have to have the want to win. Because there's no excuse to have to have three heart attack games against the Kings, the Maverick, the Mavericks, and the Magic. Three teams that will be praying that the ping-pong balls fall their way and they get a higher draft pick. And so... After this week and after the November stretch and after really this whole year outside of two Warriors games and a Rockets Christmas Day game, the question has remained, can the Thunder actually miss the playoffs? And as two through seven in the West are all jumbled up and are all separated by one game, yes, the Thunder can absolutely miss the playoffs. Now, I don't think it's likely. I don't think that the Thunder will miss the playoffs, but they absolutely can. And it would only take two to three slip-ups against a team like the Suns, against a team like the Kings, against a terrible team. It would only take two or three slip-ups to miss the playoffs. And so every game becomes so important. It becomes so magnified as you go down the stretch, because you are in in a standings like we just said that is that is different by one game. You already have a built-in loss coming on Tuesday against the Rockets. I truly believe that they'll lose that game. The Rockets are playing phenomenal basketball. It's going to be tough to beat them, and I think everyone can agree. As it sits today on Friday afternoon, you're counting on the Thunder to lose that basketball game. So that makes these next two, tonight and tomorrow night, very important. Almost must-win territory. As close to must-win territory as you can get on March the 3rd or 2nd. So, no, I don't think the Thunder will miss the playoffs. But yes, there is a possibility and a real one that has to be recognized. That has to be at least considered by Thunder fans because this whole year, myself included, we've been pushing it away. We've been saying, no, 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 there's no chance. There's no chance. When in reality, there is a chance. There is a chance they missed the playoffs. But I don't think it's likely.
To combat that, the Thunder signed Corey Brewer, who was bought out by the Lakers earlier this week. Now, Corey Brewer went to Florida. He was coached by Billy Donovan at Florida University. The Thunder had an open roster spot. Billy Donovan trusts Corey Brewer, and Corey Brewer took the veteran minimum. Of course he did, because every buyout player does. But no matter what you think about Corey Brewer, the basketball player, the Thunder signing Corey Brewer cannot be wrong. Because there is no point to roll into March and April and playoff time. There's no point to do that with a a wide open roster spot. The Thunder had to make no changes to their roster to bring in Corey Brewer. So why, why get up in arms about this move when the Thunder had to do nothing? They didn't have to get rid of Dakari Johnson. They didn't have to find a way to buy out Kyle Singler, which isn't realistic and isn't possible. The Thunder literally just filled a roster spot. And as for the player, Corey Brewer, I don't know what to expect. I think Billy Donovan will honestly start Corey Brewer. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Now again, take away your personal feelings for Corey Brewer. Think about everything else. Billy Donovan trusts Corey Brewer. If Corey Brewer gets a set rotation, a set, okay, you're going to start, you're going to come out at this time, you're going to go back in at this time, and you're going to play this many minutes. If he gets that, that means Josh Hustis gets that. That means Abrinas gets that. That means that the rotation is now settled. And that can help everybody. Because so many games have, have happened where Josh Hustis starts a game. He's in the starting lineup. He plays well. He plays very good defensively. Maybe he knocks down a shot on offense from the three-point line. Maybe he has a great cut, a great screen. Maybe he's serviceable on offense, but he does play very good defense. And then Billy Donovan substitutes him out, and he disappears. He never comes back into the game, and it's just a revolving door of Abrinas, Ferguson, and even Grant at that two-guard position. So I think getting Corey Brewer can now settle a rotation. And that creates that creates a sense of of comfort for a lot of players, including Alex Abrinas and Josh Hustis, who now will know their role because no one knows the rotations. Billy Donovan pulls out new rotations every single game. Some games, Ferguson will play five minutes. Some games will play 15 some games, same goes for Houston and, and Abrinas. Some games Abrinas will be on the floor and get two shots, and some, some games he'll be a defensive star and knock down threes. So Corey Brewer stabilizing this Thunder team, not with his play, but with his minutes, is going to be huge. So I'm not going to harp on that too much. We're going to have to see what Corey Brewer brings to the table in a Thunder uniform, how he fits, how he gels. But it will be exciting, not because of Corey Brewer, but because of there's something new. We didn't get a trade at the deadline, but now there's a new, a new hand in the fold. Now there's, now there's just something new and exciting to talk about. And again, the biggest part of this is that you filled that open roster spot because there was no need to go into the playoffs and further this season without exhausting all resources. I wrote... On the Thunder blog, the Thunder Loud City blog, that 
I wanted the Thunder to sign Tony Allen. I don't care about his age. You don't need him for five years. You need him for five weeks. You need him for the rest of the season and the playoffs. You don't need him for 48 minutes or 40 minutes. You don't need him for uh, a whole game. You need him for situations. You're not going to play him wire to wire at his age. You need him to play defense. You don't need him to score. There are so many. There are, there are, for every point you make on why not, there's a counterpoint to it. And you can also say the same thing about for every point I make for him, there's a counterpoint against him. But I think that that's the case with everyone in the buyout market. I think that Thunder fans and the NBA fans in general are viewing the buyout market for more than it is. The buyout market is not the trade market in the sense that you're not going to get someone who, who turns around your season completely. You're not going to get a Jonathan Simmons or Avery Bradley even. You're going to get a Corey Brewer. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it's low risk, high reward. And I think the higher reward would have been Tony Allen. But I cannot be frustrated or upset with a Corey Brewer signing because there's just no point to be. So let's preview this upcoming week for Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's look at the standings. And then we're going to have a new segment where I just rant about stuff. That's all coming up. This week for the Thunder, they go to Phoenix tonight to take on the Suns and Josh Jackson. And then off a back-to-back tomorrow night, they play Portland in Portland with Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers. They have to at least split. Back-to-backs are tough. Road games are tough. Realistically, they should win both. If they play up to their talent level, if they fulfill their capabilities, if they play basketball the right way, if they just show up, they should win both. The problem is you cannot bank on the Thunder showing up for the entire game. You just can't. So I think that they have to at least split these two games. I think that they need to win tonight. Because if you lose tonight, it's going to be devastating. The, 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 the Suns aren't just going to railroad you. They're not just going to blow you out of the water to where you can have time to prepare for it. It's going to be a heartbreaking loss if you lose. It's going to be what the Mavericks game would have been. It's going to be someone having the opportunity to shoot a last-second shot to beat you. The Mavericks shot didn't go in. They played great defense. Their shot might. And so if you lose a devastating game on a Friday night in Phoenix and then have to go travel to Portland, you are behind the eight ball. On a back-to-back, you're already behind the eight ball, but off of devastating loss, you are even more so. So I think this is one of the must-win games of this whole season, to set the tone for the back-to-back. Because I just don't see a scenario when Josh Jackson, although he's playing incredible basketball and one of my favorite players, partly because he went to Kansas, but that's besides the point. I don't see a scenario where him and Devin Booker can just destroy this Thunder team. And that has to do with the Thunder starting hot every single game, and then fading away. I just don't think that they're going to fade away enough to, again, get blown out. So this game is a must-win, and you always have trouble in Portland. This franchise, as long as they've been in Oklahoma City, has always had trouble going to Portland and winning a basketball game. So you also can't count on that. So this, on paper, is a very, very tough stretch. And in reality, it's a tough stretch. 
but they've they've used all those excuses already. They've they've already used up their tough stretch excuses. Now it's time to play. Now it's time to go win a tough game. Go win in Phoenix. The team itself isn't tough, but with the context, it is tough. Because it's going to be the, the front end of a back-to-back in which it can demoralize you. So I think this week they're going to go 2-1. and one. I truly believe that they're going to sweep the Suns and Blazers and then get beat by the Rockets at home on Tuesday. And then we'll have a podcast Wednesday. That's why it's only going to be these three games. And I think if they split with these two, there is a chance they can beat the Rockets. There's always a chance an NBA team can win. I just don't see it happening. The the Rockets are just playing too well. So I think it's going to be a 2-in-1 week by the next show. And we'll see where the Thunder sit in the Western Conference. But right now, the standings are as followed. Rockets, Warriors, Timberwolves, Spurs, Pelicans, Blazers, and your Oklahoma City Thunder coming in as the seventh seed. The Nuggets are the eighth seed, and these standings are going to fluctuate. From now until the playoffs, every single show, there might be different, there might be a different order. There will be a different order in some capacity. So that'll be really fun coming down the stretch. Stay locked in to the Loud City Podcast itself and on Twitter at Loud City Pod. And also my Twitter, at Ryland underscore Styles, although most of my Thunder opinions are going to be on at Loud City Pod. So now let's do the first ever rant of the week. And now this rant is going to be controversial because for some reason, Thunder fans love this man, but I can't stand him. His name is Brian Davis. Yes, the Brian Davis, that is play-by-play for your Oklahoma City Thunder on Fox Sports Oklahoma. He's awful. He is dreadful to listen to. Most of the time, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Most of the time, he calls Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Stephen Adams, Carmelo Anthony. He has made jokes that have somehow not gotten him in hot water, but that's just because no one paid attention, I guess, because they have been some very borderline offensive or even outright offensive jokes, or at least jokes you should not make on air. His catchphrases are his crutch. They are, they are not used to elevate the broadcast. They are just used to get him out of certain situations. And while they're catchy, he made chicken salad out of chicken something else. Uh... What's his other ones that he uses? Uh, I'm blanking now. That's how I guess that's I guess they're not as catchy as I once thought. But I just don't like his his style. You know, he's a homer, and while yes, a home broadcaster to a certain extent is always going to be a homer, he is he's even over that line. Russell Westbrook could go and punch Josh Jackson tonight in the throat, literally ball his fist. And punch him at half court in the throat. And Brian Davis would say, you can't call that. You you can't call that. And he would truly argue that call. And Thunder fans really enjoy Brian Davis. And I think part of it is because of his catchphrases. I think they enjoy hearing his wacky 
sayings. Uh, he had a line the other night when Jeremy Grant Dunk said that, you know, he sent the rim home in tears. Mouse in the house is another one that they always use. I think that's more of Cage's, though. Uh, and Cage I don't have much of a problem with. While he's not good, he's what every former player is. There's, there is rarely a former player that adds insight and that is a good broadcaster. Rarely. It's, it's very, very, very rare in every sport. 